Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. This, of course, is another beautiful guest episode from our Manifesto Meetup podcast series. Um, this is the last episode that I'm recording, so this feels really kind of beautiful and nourishing for me to finish on this topic today. And I'm joined by the gorgeous Kerry Van Kirk, who is a coach, healer, and human design guide. We have so much good stuff planned to talk about. I really feel like I've left the best for last in this whole podcast series. So welcome, Kerry. It's an absolute honor to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So we're we're starting kind of everybody off with just bringing a background of, can you tell us what your human design is, right? What type of manifester are you? And how did human design find you or how did you find human design? Yeah, so I'm a 1-3 manifester with emotional authority, um, right angle cross of Eden, same as Donald Trump. It's actually kind of a funny thing. Same exact, you know, configuration and lines as Donald Trump. So that's been just really, really interesting to look at. I wrote this poem about it, actually, the spoken word poem. That's like, what part of him is him and what part of him is me? And, you know, like in, in kind of that. So that's a funny, fun fact. Um, and we also have the same birthday, June 14th. So it's very strange. Um, and I came to human design years ago, a handful of years ago on a podcast, you know, and I can't remember who it was, maybe Aaron Claire or, some, you know, Aaron Claire Jones or something. And I, you know, just got introduced to it and started self-studying at first. Um, and then I, finally got a reading. Actually, it was a funny manifester moment because I'd been wanting a reading for a long time, but I didn't, maybe I didn't want to pay for it or nothing felt right. Or I was just, I don't know. I just wasn't sure how to choose. And then someone posted a Facebook group that they had been practicing. And so I reached out to them, sparked them for a trade. I was like, you do my human design. I'll do a healing session for you. And it lined up like to happen on eclipses, some eclipses that were happening in January. And it was just really powerful for both of us. We ended up working together for a little while. And then, you know, seeing her knowledge of human design made me be like, you know what? I am a one three. I need that one. <laughs> this is feels like a missing piece for me because I'm coaching people and I don't know how their energy works. I know from like a healing perspective or from what they've told me, but I don't have this baseline foundation of what is going to work better for them 
than me and me being a manifester, most of my clients are not going to be manifestors. And it's really helpful to know what their configuration is. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such an interesting experience for manifestors when we first kind of come into this human design space, because it's almost it's almost universal that every manifestor has some variation of this experience of, you know what? No, thanks. Like, that doesn't really work for me. Like, I don't want to pay for a reading. Like, I don't want to chat about that further. I don't want to learn anything more about this. And I I think that's so reflective of the way that our aura works, right? That where we naturally don't connect with things that come from the outside. Yeah, we've we've learned to be responsive, but that's Mm -hmm. not actually naturally the way that we operate. We kind of have this implicit trust with whatever comes from within us. So if we want to seek something out, We'll do that. Yeah. And that's, that's of course, um, you know, culminated with a whole bunch of other things like what's your authority and how do you approach the world with your profile? And that one three profile is so beautiful, especially having that, that one on the conscious line, right? That like mm-hmm. deep research and deep digging mm-hmm. into the detail, which I know for a lot of one three manifestors that I speak to, they initially feel like that's really at odds with the rest of them as a manifestor. This kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, but I like I penetrate down and I go into these details and I look at all of these things really closely, but also I kind of unpredictable and I, you know, I move around a lot and I don't ever stay with the one thing. What was, what was that journey like for you, Carrie, with kind of connecting that, that one line, especially with that journey of a manifest? Did you feel like that was, you know, there was a friction there or a disconnect there? I don't think so for me. I, I always loved I had a really good experience in school and that's what I, I love talking to parents with manifestor kids because I had such a good schooling experience that was like, because I was the bookworm and like so interested in the information and I loved school, I could also, I had the leverage to when I informed my teachers that I wanted to do an assignment differently in a more creative way, they would totally let me do that. You know, they'd be like, yeah, we trust you because you've got all these other bases covered, which I know is not the same for everyone. And that doesn't, I don't think that's a reflection on them. I just happen to like be good at standardized testing and things like that. But, but then they'd be like, I'd be like, oh, I finished my work early. Can I go work on the school TV show where I was writing scripts and performing and doing all this stuff? And they'd be like, yeah, you're good. You're good to go. So I got to like play out both of those things and get really used to like, oh, the foundation helps give me the freedom to initiate and create and do what do what I want to do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Especially that reference to that kind of natural state of informing. Do when you reflect back, can you see those times like you just explained where you you ha- clearly had no idea, right? There's no kind of label for that, yeah. you know, until we understand that language, but can you see those times that you informed and it actually really cleared things around you? Yeah, I remember the first time, and this is what I always share with parents of like, because I, because it's, it was a moment that stuck with me and I didn't know why. And then when I found the language for it, I was like, oh, that was the first time I like informed in a adult, quote unquote, adult way, but as a child. So I was in fourth grade and we were going on a field trip and there was this girl that I just didn't really get along with in class and we were put together in the same group and i could just feel i was like this is not going to be a good experience for anybody (laughs) and i just went you know up to my teacher like took her to the side and was like 
I, you know, it's just, we don't get along very well. And I think it would be better, you know, if we were in separate groups, what do you think about that? And she was like, great. And, and did it. And, but just, you know, to, to do it in a respectful way, but to just, you know, tell it like it is, this is what's true for me. What can we do about this? And just find that people are so accommodating. Mm. It's such a, you know, as a um, mother now of a manifesto child, and yeah. I also had a manifesto as a parent, um, I, wow. you know, I can see so many different lenses that we can look at this manifesto experience now through, you know, childhood development and through adolescence and into adulthood and, you know, seeing uh, you know, where where my son, he's just turned eight and he's an emotional manifester as well. I'm splenic. We're very different, right? <laughs> very different manifester beings and seeing where he's naturally aligned with things like informing and also where that starts to become a struggle for him, right? That whenever yeah. there's um, an expectation of explanation or responsiveness, he really, really struggles to engage with that and even that whole schooling experience, I love that you mentioned that because there's a lot of rhetoric in the human design space about how manifested children are not aligned with, with being in traditional schooling. And right. that was not my experience at all. I, yeah. I loved I loved traditional schooling and, and academically achieved really well. It was, I was very social. I'm a 4'6", like I had great social networks. Um, yeah. And seeing my son now experience that, it's like he puts so much effort into following these rules and fitting in with this structure and trying to keep his informing going while he's at school that he's really exhausted mm -hmm. at the end of that, right? He, he comes home and he's like, I just can't, I can't fit within that box anymore. Yeah. But there's this kind of important part of the journey for us and, and hopefully we can teach, you know, next generations of manifested children to do this. But there's this important experience of, um, experimenting with informing so that we we at least have that subconscious evidence to say you know what it actually is really good like it actually does get you what you want yeah yeah and I think for me the space to be creative was so important so like if I didn't have that I think, you know, I might have been okay for a while, but I really needed that TV show in middle school. Like I needed a project. I needed, in high school, I did theater. And then I ended up going to an arts high school for my senior year. And that was a more balanced, ultimately, curriculum for me. You know, the more time I could spend in theater classes, movement classes, all of that. And then like, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was taking some like college philosophy courses and then like digging into that and, and loving it. But I think if it was... I, I feel like I got very lucky even in public schools to have teachers that were open to that creativity. So that makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And teachers that were not threatened, you know, by that, that desire yeah. and that unpredictability. I think that that's so important to, yeah. especially as adults, right. For us to heal through that experience that we, we had often, um, we need to create these environments that are actually supportive of us just pursuing whatever it is that we want to pursue. Yeah. Otherwise, we, yeah, ne we never really let go of those wounds. 
Yeah, totally. And it shocks me. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm not sure why this is, all this detail is coming through about school. So I hope it's, you know, helping someone. It's for a reason. But like, I remember when I was in seventh grade, I like decided, I saw that I learned about Prince and that he had changed his name from Prince to a symbol. And I thought that was so interesting and so cool. So I created a symbol for myself and I started and I informed my teachers. I just didn't even think about this ever, but like I informed my teachers that I would now be signing my symbol on the top of the page <laughs> instead of my name and they let me do it. And it was amazing. Wow. you know. <laughs> that is so cool. That is such a little manifest a child thing to do. Totally. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to do this crazy out there thing that nobody else is doing. And I'm just going to tell people like, you got to let me do it. This is, yeah. this is just what's going to happen. I think it's like pure unadulterated <laughs> manifesto energy there. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I want to get back to it. Maybe it's for me so I can get back to some of this style I had, you know. <laughs> right. Or the flair of many kids. Totally. As, as an emotional authority, I mean, I just briefly mentioned before, like I'm, I'm not emotional. I'm splenic. And I, a vast majority of manifestors are emotional. About 80% of manifestors mm. have emotional authority. Um, you know, that's quite a, a foreign experience for me, right? Energetically, you know, with my decision-making, the way that I process things is, is almost polar opposite to an emotional manifestor. And I'm always so curious about that really like practical life experience for emotional manifestors of what is that? What is that like? How did you work on aligning with that? Yeah, that was probably, I guess, go back to authority, authority, authority. I mean, strategy is so important, but for me, I don't know. Sometimes I think authority trumps it um, in, in terms of the difference it's made in my life because I was all, you know, just not knowing what the ups and downs were. I was always making decisions in my highs and I would be having like epiphanies and then I couldn't sustain them. And, you know, you start to feel like something's wrong with you or, you know, why, how could I feel so good? And then that not turn into something sustainable. And then it's like right there. Oh, that's the exact definition of that, you know, of that high is not sustainable. Um, so yeah, just starting to track that and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't track my emotional wave as closely as I used to, but I remember when I did, I was like, oh yeah, like every six days or so I'll have a low. And that's kind of a good rhythm for me to know that that's, that's a thing that happens. Cause that's pretty, you know, that's every week. Um, and, and there might be other fluctuations in between, but kind of these, um, these bigger lows that are not, uh, circumstantial, but are just chemical, you know, and, and to not make those mean so much and to not make the highs mean so much made such a difference for me. And, and for me, I've had to, I think actually that more than my one, I think the emotional authority and the manifestor thing, that's been more of the thing to figure out how to balance because there is that like urge to do something. And, and I have to weigh like some of some little urges I need, you know, I need, I need those little things that aren't going to, um, you know, that are like, oh, I want to try out doing content this way for my business or whatever. And I need to experiment with that. And I might not need to wait out my way for that. I might need to just go with the impulse and then see what that feels like. But anything that's going to cause me, you know, 
lots of work and redoing things and all of that, it's it's better to wait. And I still don't get it right all the time. I still, you know, I get swept up sometimes. And then I'm like, I just, I've kind of also had to get used to that being part of my process. Um, I've had to get used to that being part of my process so that there is some, because listening to my authority has streamlined my life so much that I'm like, okay, I can kind of, you know, if I get excited and I move something forward that then I change my mind about later, like, that's okay. That's part of the process. And that's part of my three line as well that I'm like, I got to do it. Sometimes I have to just do the thing. And then I know, oh, no, <laughs> that wasn't it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I love that. I love that connection between the three and the emotional authority. Um, and I find that a lot of emotional manifestors, actually just emotional authorities across the board, really do struggle with that initial commitment to tracking that wave and identifying that wave. Mm -hmm. It's almost like there's this space for self-permission in doing that, that as long as that stays a bit kind of misunderstood and a bit chaotic, then, you know, it's, it's not so helpful, but it's known. That's familiar. Yeah. But when you start tracking that, when you start paying attention to it, you're bringing that unknown into the known. And again, from a place of assumption, because it's not been my personal experience, I have to assume that that means there's, there's at least part of self-reflection in that to say, oh, yeah. well, you know, I am like, I do feel really high at the moment, but that's not going to last. Like I can't, yeah. I can't remain in this place. What did you do? How did you actually start tracking your wave, right? Were you at like a simple notepad, like pen and paper, or did you have a particular app that helped you do it? Yeah, for a little while. And it didn't take that long to kind of get a sense of it. And I, I'm not that good at <laughs> tracking things. Like I put, you know, I put my like menstrual cycle in my calendar and that really helps just be, you know, I like track that because that's very, that's like another one of the waves that I think is really important for me to track. Um, but for a while, when I was at the beginning of my emotional wave trying to figure it out, I would do like um, the notes section in my phone because that's what I use the most I love for writing and I would just um check in with like a negative 10 I put it on a scale from negative 10 to positive 10 so that zero could be neutral and then I could just kind of see all right each day or maybe sometimes twice a day depending on how much fluctuation I was feeling in a day where would I put myself on that emotional scale and then I just started to notice the like six day pattern that is so awesome. I love, love, love hearing that firsthand experience. Um, often, you know, like arriving at that place of of neutrality, like in human design that gets spoken about as clarity, which I think is, is kind of a misleading word, really, mm -hmm. because you can have clarity in other parts of your That's emotional true. wave, right? You can yeah. have a state of mental or logical clarity, but it's neutrality, like emotionally neutral, arriving back at that place of zero of, you know what? I've ridden the whole thing. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I did all the highs and I did all the lows, and now I'm I'm kind of at this baseline place now. Yeah. Is that is that physically exhausting sometimes to go through that process with a big decision? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it's more. I find it to be more difficult when it's a shorter term decision, just because there's more. If there's like time pressure on it, because then I'm like you know, do I wait? You know, I remember, you know, someone invited me to go to California or something. And it was like, I needed to make a decision within a few days. And 
so in the past and I kind of learned not to do this but like I just kind of I was like oh that's too stressful I'm not gonna have time to go through my wave so I kind of like cut it off early and I said no I'm not gonna go and then the next day I felt differently and the next day I felt like I did want to go so we we were able to make it work but I was like oh you know my fear of that stress of not having enough time kind of made me jump the gun um when I maybe I didn't need to because actually I did pretty much have clarity within let's say three full days, but I, I was scared that I, it was going to take too long. Um, but with the big decisions, I wouldn't call it, ex, it's exhausting if you feel like your well-being or your success or whatever is riding on that decision, you know, which is something I used to experience a lot. And I definitely still do occasionally because, you know, that's how when you run your own business, like, you're you're creating and it does you don't necessarily know what's going to happen even if you do have a brilliant idea and you know all of that stuff so um i've definitely got and gotten better with it and just knowing that the no the lows aren't gonna last like even if i you know if i have certain feelings in a low they're often i mean sometimes it's just write them off it's just a low i actually don't need to pay attention to that and then sometimes it is like well it's funny, actually, I don't know if I've articulated this before, but if the same thing is coming up again and again in a low, that's like almost its own emotional authority. And there may not be a decision point happening yet, but there is a consistency over time that's like, oh, maybe that's something I need to look at or inform around or, you know, there, there's something for me here because this does keep coming back, you know. Yes, I have often questioned that just as, as as an outside observer, like where is this junction for emotional authorities between, hey, I'm just riding my wave and I'm just experiencing these emotions versus there is something recurring here, right? This this is actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, that internal ping that's saying investigate this, look into this. There's yeah. an area to heal. There's an area to experience further. Even, you know, there's something external happening that, that we need to reflect on. Do you feel mm-hmm. like you're getting uh, more of an understanding of that the more you allow your emotional wave to just ride its way through? Yeah. I mean, I think even, yeah, just saying that now was like a new thing that I hadn't articulated and being like, oh, like, you know, I I don't know. I'm just kind of going off of what's coming up here. But, you know, that low point, no, it's not for decision making. But there is something about if it's coming back again and again, it's like telling me that there may be a decision about this that's needed. There may be something about this that's needed. And I think that that's really helpful. because I think what can become the problem with the emotional wave, again, like I said, is like if you have a lot writing on it or you feel like crazy urgency around it, you know, but if you don't and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to clock that for a few emotional waves in a, a row, this thing, this issue has come up and maybe something needs to be done about that. Maybe not right the second if I'm not clear on what that is, right? But maybe I can be open to the conversation I need to have, the healing I need to do, the resource, the book that could come in or the person that could come in that's going to help me with this, you know? Yes, absolutely. This is 
part of what I really adore about kind of being in the mix of this whole manifesto community and you know we can apply these very broad labels to ourselves and be you know we're all manifestors and so we're all initiating and we all need to inform but I've discovered that the nuance of all of those layers underneath and authority is a very significant layer of nuance really makes us process the world vastly differently um, in terms of timing, in terms of how we receive creative urges, in, in terms of how connected we are to the things that we are initiating. You know, there's so many factors that just get like boiled in with, with just this one one little pocket, right? It's just authority. Um, yeah. You know, and as a, as a splenic manifestor, I'm, I'm very good and very quick at identifying if there's an area in me that requires self-reflection or mm. it requires investigation because it comes as an intuitive ping. It's like mm. red light. You got to pay mm. attention to this thing. So I have the opportunity as an undefined emotional being to not really pay attention to emotions, right? Mm. To really be like, just let let those things go because they're probably not mine anyway. <laughs> just yeah. let them in, let them out, let them go. Um, but if I have an experience of not being able to fully connect to my my spleen and to hear that voice, whether it's because I'm in a noisy environment, whether it's because I'm really tired or I'm unwell, um, mm. even if that is because we're in a transit where I have a lot of emotional definition, which is a whole yeah. you know whole other ball game, then. Yeah that that feels very unsettling and I you know I bring that up because we've been at the time of recording this collectively we've had about four transits in a row like astrological transits where there's been emotional definition and there's mm-hmm. been a 35 36 channel <laughs> defined mm-hmm. collectively and I know that for everybody who's not an emotional authority <laughs> that's been so hard <laughs> yeah. I really I really take my hat off to all of you because I've had several moments of saying, is this what you guys do all the time? Is this what you feel always? Yeah, it's it's funny because I I don't know, you know, even just the, the different waves in and of themselves, because I'm like, I know what it's like to have the 1222, but I don't know, you know, I don't know the 35, 36 in the same way and what their experience is like. Um, and so, yeah, and, you know, and I think that it, it can be harder for undefined emotionals because they're just, you know, you're just not used to that. So you're like, whoa, what is this? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like we've been doing this for a while. So I, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's just really intense emotion. You get used to it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's right along with it. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in your design, you have an open head and an open sacral. Is that right? I have actually... Um, I have a completely open sacral and a completely open spleen, spleen, splenic center. Wow. Wow. And up the top in your Ajna and your head, are those defined or undefined or open for you? They're undefined. So I just have the 61 in my um, head and then the... Oh, it's just the 11 in your Ajna. Yeah. Yeah. What I know that for me, particularly in business, having that... Um, I have an undefined sacral. I have I have one gate in my sacral and it really takes a pounding, right? Because <laughs> I rely on it a lot. Um, but I, I also have that undefined head. And I know that the combination of the two of those things in business has been probably one of the biggest challenges that I've had mm-hmm. to overcome in really aligning with my design and, and seeing how that shows up in business. Because I feel like the the natural structure of business in the way that we've been taught it is so reliant 
on defined head energy and defined mm -hmm. sacral energy. This ability mm -hmm. to like go, 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 go and be responsive and, and engage with that sacral and constantly be creative, but also to have really clear ideas and have a really clear direction of inspiration and, and constantly be able to draw from that. Have you, yeah. have you identified any part of that experience for you in, in business? Yeah, for sure. I think that the... I had to really just train myself in in terms of the undefined head to not just be thinking, 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 thinking all the time and being like, I'm going to figure this out and I have to figure this out right now or else I'm not going to be safe or whatever, which also kind of safety, the completely open spleen, like I can go sort of both ways. Like I can be really cool and not fearful or super fearful um, and taking in all of that. And so, but I just had to train myself and that's why I think for me, authority was so helpful because it gave me a way to say all of these thoughts that you're having and all these plans you're making, you can play with them if you want to, but don't put any pressure on them because when you know, you're going to know because it's stuck around for a certain amount of time and you have that neutral feeling and now it's time to go. So all of this that you're doing can be play instead of stress, you know, all of the thinking, 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 which it used to be stress and you know, make me cry at the dinner table and stuff. <laughs> I was like, I cannot keep doing this. I have to just be like, either have fun with this or try to do something else or, you know, fine. If you want to worry about it, worry about it. But we're not making any decisions from this place because that's not how we do it. That's such a, a simple but effective tool, switching that narrative. And I, I feel like if, if we were even to describe human design in, in any way other than the science of differentiation, it would be changing the narrative around the way mm. that you experience your own energy that, yeah. um, you know, we're very, very used to looking at our undefined and our open centres from the viewpoint of conditioning and how challenging that is and how it draws us down and how much we're lacking and how much we're missing out on. but an undefined or an open center has a low expression, which is conditioning, but it also has a high expression. Yeah. Which wisdom. is wisdom. Yeah. And that's where the journey is at moving mm -hmm. into this place of, well, how, how can I be expansive with this? How I love that you use the term playful. It's very three line, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> how can I play with this? How can I be adventurous with this? And one of the ways that I've done that with my undefined Ajna in business is to really release strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Completely release strategy and just kind of, I guess, like collect all of the strategies and put them in a box. And yeah. it's like it's like a strategy toy box, you know, when I need strategy and when I feel like that's a correct fit, I can go to that box and I can, you know, rummage around in it and pull one out and say, do I want to play with this one right now? does this feel like yeah. a good toy to play with in this particular moment rather than coming at it from that narrative of I have to have the right strategy it has to be perfect mm -hmm. it all has to go correctly otherwise this whole thing's going to be a failure um yeah. and given that you know 50% of the population has a defined Arjuna 51% so I I find in business a lot of people have a defined Arjuna and they you know that's what we learn it's like here's the golden strategy take mm -hmm. it, implement it, put it in. And, you know, if that doesn't work for you, then you must have done something wrong. Yeah, and totally. that was a big part of my unlearning in business. Yeah. Did yeah. you, have you had kind of particular, I guess, moments of clarity or insight into that, that undefined Ajna in business as you've been going along? 
<sighs> yeah, it's a tricky one. I feel like I'm definitely still learning because I even had an experience earlier this year, you know, like in a business coaching program. And as time went on, I could feel like I was disconnecting from my truth and my power around it, you know, and and yeah, and I ended up doing something like creating this website that actually I'm changing now because it doesn't feel right. And I'm like, it's okay, you know, it's fine, but there's something about it that just doesn't feel like me. And so I'm like transitioning that. And um, I mean, by the time this airs, the new one will be up, but like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got to get back to this. You know, all of that was, some of it was great. Some of it was, you know, whatever, all of it, I let myself take in a little bit too much of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting back to myself now. And that's fine because, you know, and maybe I needed that. I'm not sure, but it's been really gratifying to just come back and be like, you know, I, you know, I need, I need the money that I need to have a good life. And for me, I've never wanted a big team. I've never wanted, you know, all of the things that like come along with certain ways of doing business are not actually what I want. You know, I've been saying for years that I'm like, if I could just do a couple healing sessions a day, like that would be beautiful. And I'm like, you know what? I think that's what I'm going to move towards. And I know myself, like I know that because I've been doing lots of different group programs and things like that. That's been the last few years. And that's been wonderful. And I'll continue to do that as it feels correct. But I also, something in me right now is really just wanting like the quietness, is wanting the one-on-one, -on -one, is wanting the, the amazing way I feel after I do these healing sessions that are endlessly fascinating to me because every single one is totally different. Uh, and that, like, I feel so blessed to have found a modality that, uh, that works with my energy so well. I'm like, I could do it forever and ever and ever. I mean, that's not true. That's maybe my <laughs> open sacral, but I feel, but like in, in, it's the most sustainable thing that I do mm. where I'm like, I feel good after this. I do not feel drained after this. And no, I couldn't do many sessions a day. That would be too much, but like two. Yeah. Like that feels, that feels great. And, and then see where it goes from there. But so for me, it's a lot of like, lately is just tuning out everybody else's ideas about success. Mm, I so resonate with that journey. And a lot of the conversations that I have, you know, with manifestors coming into business is very much the same, right? We kind of, particularly in the online space, um, you know, for me, I came from brick and mortar business for, for yes. over a decade and, and coming into mm -hmm. the online space was this really different approach to business. And a lot of you know, cultural and energetic differences and structural and strategic differences. And one of the things that I um, picked up on immediately was this expectation in the online space to constantly be learning, to constantly be in courses, in masterminds. And it was like, there's no end to that ladder, yeah. right? Yeah. It's It's like, well, you can start off at one level. You might start off, you know, getting some downloads or some passive courses and then you go into, you know, a three-month course and then you step up into like one-on-one -on -one coaching and then it's masterminds and then it's high-level masterminds and then it's VIP days. You know, it's just this like, right? it's a whole, whole vortex all on its own. And I came to very much the same decision as you of these are great. These are, you know, great ideas and and great strategy, but that doesn't actually give me what I need. I can feel what I want. 
I, I can feel what is correct for me. And all of this is just providing noise that mm-hmm. makes it hard for me to implement that and go after that. And I, I really think that overall, I mean, it's not to say universally, but overall for manifestors, we do tend to end up being pretty lone wolves in business. You know, we kind of go like, yeah. I'll pop out when I need something from you. <laughs> but yeah. otherwise, I just I just want to do this in in my own way and, you know, in my own vein. And that's going to be very different even between, you know, two different manifestors. Um, yeah. I can't imagine doing two healing sessions a day. I'd be like mm-hmm. tapped out people. <laughs> like, no, 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 can't deal. Yeah. But it's so beautiful yeah. that that feels correct for you to pursue mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to be open to it changing, but also, yeah, I don't know. I know that I have a lot of conditioning around like what it means to build a stable, sustainable business. And, and I want that. And it just doesn't look the way I can't fake my way through anybody else's way. It's just not going to work. So I have to be with what do I want right now? And knowing that that might change in six months, it probably is going to change in six months, but, but I have to be in my own journey and not somebody else's. Mm. One of the things that we don't hear spoken about too often, I don't think in reference to the sacral and and us being non-sacral beings is this element of consistency. Often Mm -hmm. that gets applied to the ego, but it's actually, it's a bit different to the ego, right? That a defined sacral gives this ability for consistent effort, consistent hard work, consistent creativity, consistent responsiveness, consistent engagement, you know, like consistently building, 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 building. And as manifestors, there's not very much about us that is consistent. <laughs> um, right. Certainly not the sacral center, right? We we have an inconsistent access to the energy of consistency. So I think that yes. we do this kind of like pull in, like I'm consistent and I'm good and I've got this. And right. like, oh, whoop, I, I can't do that anymore. Like I've changed my yeah. mind. I got to go in a completely different direction. And a large element of that comes down to this. Firstly, of course, like deconditioning that sacral center, right? Which is an ongoing forever process, yeah. <laughs> never ends. But also understanding the role that rest plays in kind of bringing mm-hmm. calibration back to that. Mm-hmm. Have you, like, what is it, what's your personal experience been with rest in business and, and that expectation for that very like masculine structure of business to be consistent and keep showing up? Yeah, it's been, it's been really a function of just, I can't, you know, like some people can push through and maybe if you have a defined will, you can longer than I can, but like mine is completely open. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) there is not, you know, and one way I like to look at the completely open centers that one of my teachers taught me was kind of like on a, on a level, like you could, you're done with that energy. Like that's not it for you. And I'm like, wow, like that really blew my mind. Cause I always thought of like completely open as being, you know, where you have the potential to gain the most wisdom, but also what can throw you off track the most because you're dealing with so much input of energy. And um, the idea that you could look also look at it as I'm kind of done with that mm-hmm. is really like, there's something about it that feels deeply true to me to be like, oh, I'm actually done with quote unquote work and I'm done with quote unquote fear from this from the spleen. And I'm like, oh, wow, like if I could really just be in that and I'm and I my goal is to, you know, be as close as I can to that, you know, and hopefully grow my trust around that, 
that feels right to me and it feels beautiful. And and I'm like, what what could it even look like? And I think I already have a life that feels like that to other people, you know, like, how do you, how are you doing what you're doing? You know, you're doing what you love and you live in this beautiful place and, you know, you have a great relationship and all of those things. And that's, and that's awesome. But I know there's more, you know, there's, there's, there's in that next level for me. And I know that I want to, I want to feel that. I want to feel what that's like to be like, I'm done with work and I'm done with fear. Mm. Thank you. Can it happen? Right? Is it possible? (laughs) Thank you for putting words to that. The way that you articulated that was just so clear and so beautiful. And that just on a personal level, that really gave me that core moment to say, oh, yes, that just put words to, you know, an experience that I've been having over the last six months of, Mm. you know, really I guess it's been a lot of layers of the sacral center. I feel like the sacral is definitely like an onion in its own right. Um, Mm -hmm. And just being very kind of getting, arriving at that place of, but I'm done doing that. I'm, I'm done for me. A big one was I'm done responding. I'm just, I'm Mm. done with doing that. And all of these places where I'm meant to hang out and I'm meant to be responding because that's what creates business success I'm done. I'm done being there. I'm done responding. And, um, you know, I don't, I really don't hang out on social media very much. I have now a lot of boundaries and procedures in place with even being responsive to my staff. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really do think that we need to, maybe this is just a human experience and not necessarily as a manifestor experience, but I really think that that place of change, that place of transformation exists in, in that space of, I am just finished with this now I I am I'm finished with it to the point where I'm just going to let it go yeah be damned what the consequences are for that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know I and I feel like I'm I'm in that oh I, I feel like I'm in that place um because for years I like I started off in business as a virtual assistant you know, and it was just like to get me out of babysitting. And that's like virtual assisting is responding, you know, most of the time. And, and, you know, and I, I liked it. I was good at it. I was fast. I was quit, you know, like I, I could do all the things. Um, It didn't feel like it took too much energy. And then, you know, so I moved from virtual assisting to then like consulting. And then I was doing podcast producing and all that stuff. And it's just, you know, it just feels like layers and layers and layers are shedding where the work gets more and more fun more and more aligned for me and yeah and then my question is like okay can I keep pushing that envelope you know like here's the next level where it's like yeah what I don't want to do anything I don't want to do you know (laughs) Uh because I think I have to do it and and seeing what happens and being like it's worth the the experiment is is worth it to me even though it is scary sometimes Mm-hmm. And that's, that's endless, you know, in my experience so far, there's not as manifest as we don't ever reach a level where we say enough yeah. expansion, like enough new things. I'm just going to settle. <laughs> like yeah. We're always like, what's, how can I really initiate this strong and be engaged in this where I'm at right now and like leech as much out of it as I can. And then also just as courageously and just as intensely release myself from it and go yeah. on to the next thing, you know, the the next shiny object that's, that's coming through underpinned with this, 
you know, the, the deep wisdom of I'm doing that because it has a purpose. I'm not doing that because, you know, I'm flighty or I get bored or I can't stick at something and I can't be consistent. I'm actually doing that because what is coming through me and what I'm being drawn towards is of great value. And, yeah. you know, it needs to be me that goes in this direction, which for me really came down to trust on mm-hmm. just so many, so many levels and in so many ways. Um, and I know that you and I both have a lot of passion around this concept of trust, particularly self-trust for the manifested journey, trust in, in business, trust in our ability to initiate. What, what has your journey been with trust, particularly through that lens of human design I guess like how did how did human design support you or expand you in investigating trust and the role that it plays yeah I feel like we've talked about it a lot I mean what I love about human design is that it feels so practical to me I mean I know it's this esoteric thing but it has like strategies and it has like this is the feeling you get when a decision is correct for you and you know like that's really helpful so just applying the tools you know from simple like we've talked about you know strategy and authority as the baseline understanding how my energy works and then really just you know a process of uh, knowing what all the undefined not self-talk sounds like and being like that's not me that's not me. That's not me, <laughs> you know, um, and and doing that again and again and again until it becomes easier. And you're not even it's like not even a question of, you know, would I go in this direction or, you know, I, I mean, not that I'm done with it. I'm definitely not. But there are it's more like the physical things that shift. Um, it can shift once like you learn the lesson once and then you're like, OK, I'm never going to do that specific thing again you know um which is good you know and sometimes we have hard like i i don't know like you know i've i've i hired someone in a way that didn't that didn't work out and now i like i know that um gosh in terms of human design where was it coming from I guess it was coming more from my head, what I thought I should do to be a good person, you know, to help them out to whatever. And then it ended up being like a horrible experience. And I was like, okay, I am never doing that again, you know? And like, and then another, someone that still works with me, who's great, you know, I realized I was contracting her for more hours than I needed. And I was like, it was giving me more work to do to come up with the work, you know, and then she'd do things for me and then I wouldn't have time to get back to them. And I had to be like, you know what? I know I'm, I'm getting a better rate if I give you this much work per week, but I just need to do packages of hours because these are really the only things that I need done. And I have to kind of give up my guilt of like, I want to make it interesting for you or I want to because it's not it's it's giving both of us more work that's unnecessary. And that's not in the flow of like what's trying to come through me. You know, that's like that's a that's a structure that's like a capitalist, I don't know, business structure that's like. I don't know if it's not working for me, it's probably not working for you either, really. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. This whole balance, just while you were talking, I was seeing this like connection between these two pillars of things of that, you know, we do look at even the concept of trust in itself. We look at that from a very like spiritual or esoteric or emotional viewpoint, right? Because it's, um, it's not tangible. It's not 3d. Like we can't, we can't put trust in a box and identify it. We just feel it and we have to connect through to that. But 
particularly for manifestors, when we implement trust as a core part of our experience, and I think that I'm really specifically talking about self-trust in this too, mm-hmm. um, it has these very, very practical results and, and yeah. ways that we implement it and we use it, whether that's just a simple matter of trusting your authority, right? Trust, trusting mm-hmm. that the answer and that the decision that you've come to is the correct one when perhaps there's no logical evidence for that on the outside or that's not the way that anybody else is doing it or you can't really see how that's going to be beneficial but you just trust it and do it anyway mm-hmm. but it also really draws down to essentially like the core of who we are as manifest is that and this is why I speak about trust quite a lot is that in order to initiate in order to like you know that mechanical process for us of like a, allowing our energy to be quiet behind that closed aura, feeling that creative urge come through, grabbing that, right, holding that and listening to it, taking that to our inner authority and then, of course, going out to initiate and inform where we need to inform, that whole process requires trust. Yeah. You know, and where we stumble and where we slow down is when we get caught up in doubt, which has been... I, I mean, for me, clearly I wanted to learn about that coming to this life. Like my conscious sun gate is the gate of doubts. So mm, that's 70% yeah. of my personality and my experience yeah. and my my energetic, you know, like deep dive here is to understand doubt and go through all of those shadows of self-doubt and, you know, criticism of others. And um, the gift of that is trust. It's, it's this discernment of, well, eventually, even if you doubt things, you're going to have to come back to the place of trust, you know, and that that gate exists in my head, which is an undefined energy center. It's got, you know, kind of so many, mm-hmm. so many aspects to it. But um, I see that over and over and over and over again with manifestors that are like, you know, I'm getting there and I'm learning and I'm going to do it and I'm going to initiate. And then we stumble. We stumble with this aspect of trust. Yeah, no, you have to. And I was thinking when I said that, I ended up giving examples of like uh, maybe making mistakes or, but I think that's, it led me to an important thing of just so much of self-trust, I think is experience and doing it, right? If you don't take an urge to completion, you're not going to feel that self-trust because you didn't get to the end of it to see what it's like. So I know for me, that just like jumping in and yeah, I'm going to do this program and I'm going to create this sales page and I'm going to lead this for three months or 30 days or whatever it is. And I'm just going to do it. And then once you see the impact you're making, another, you know, key manifestor word, once you see that impact, and for me, it happens in business, but it also happens in art because I do solo performances like spoken word and music and storytelling. So once the Im- you, you get to the impact, then you can start trusting that process. And so I think that actually coming from an arts background where that's what you do, you take something to completion, you have an audience, you have an impact, that really helped me just be like, you got, this is the process, you have to do it. And, and my conscious son is in gate 12, which is about like, it was, you know, the voice, but also bringing things into form. It's in the quarter of civilization. So that's also just a big thing of just like, I want to bring it to form, you know? Yes. What a beautiful perspective to linking it over to the arts. I think, you know, uh, from an objective viewpoint, those of us who are not, you know, artists or performers can look at that and say, wow, that takes so much vulnerability. You know, you've really got to be exposed and you've really got to be brave and you've really got to be courageous. And, and that's what creates the art form 
that's what creates this connection. That's what creates this impact. And that's so applicable <laughs> to us. Like, yeah. can we can we treat ourselves as artists? Can we hold ourselves mm-hmm. to that standard and say, if if we are not the ones, you know, when we are given a creative urge and there is something that we're being drawn towards, if we are not willing to draw as much self-trust and as much courage as we can possibly muster, knowing that that's going to be hard and knowing that we'll probably stumble and, you know, we'll, we'll learn along the way, you know, if, if we are not the ones to hold on to that and bring that initiation to fruition, the world doesn't get to receive it they don't get to have it right it's not it's not like an idea it doesn't bounce from you to somebody else it's yours and if you are not willing to trust yourself through that process then other other people aren't going to benefit they're not yeah. going to be impacted and you know on another layer of that too i really like that you you mentioned that that area of impact and that that's a big word for manifestors you know that gets brought up a lot what a lot of people are unaware of is that we we are not naturally inclined to be able to see the impact that we have. It's like this flip side of the closed aura, right? Where we go like, mm-hmm. oh, I've put all of this effort into like trusting myself and journeying through that doubt and journeying through the fear and getting this thing initiated. And I think, I think it was good. Like, I think it was all right. Mm-hmm. But it because we live behind this closed aura, it's a it's a brick wall from within it too. Like we we're not seeing people that are getting impacted. We rely on people telling us. That. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes people don't tell you mm-hmm. because they don't know that you need to know. <laughs> they don't yeah. know that you're you're looking for that. And that's where informing comes back in. But um that's that's been a really big part for me in the business journey. Yeah. In, you know, informing a lot, particularly informing the universe and saying, I I need to have evidence of my impact. If I'm gonna put this on the line here and I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna do this thing because this feels really scary and really big to me. I, I need I need people to tell me. Can you orchestrate people to tell me that it's being impactful mm, for them? That's beautiful. And I love I wanna keep that in mind for myself because I feel like that is one of the reasons why I like these really intimate groups and one-on-one stuff, because you do get that feedback more often. I think I have I my self-doubt more comes in more yeah, with when it's social media or whatever, and you don't know necessarily that you're impacting the way that you do when you're facilitating someone in a small group or in a one-on-one session and you can see it and you can feel it. So that's a good, that's a good like tip to be like, I need it there too, you know? Yes. Yeah. How much can, how much can we get, you know, like how I think that we just need to be very, very earnest and very honest Mm -hmm. in saying, I I guess like this is kind of a, an area of Achilles heel for us as manifestors mm-hmm. like we need to know that we have impact but we don't have a natural way of of seeing that so how open can we be about our need for help with that and mm-hmm. our need for assistance you know who can we tell who can we inform who can we request that of and say like this is pretty much the greatest gift of love that you could give me to mm-hmm. tell me yeah. how I'm impacting yeah. you because otherwise I'm just not going to see it and that makes everything else infinitely harder for me in my next mm-hmm. initiation you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I know that in mm-hmm. your in your business, you have created something called the gumption method, yes. which I don't know anything about. We didn't discuss it before the podcast I episode, know. but it's been playing on my mind and I'm really, I'm really keen <laughs> to hear about yes. it. And you share yeah. what the gumption method is. Yeah. Well, I wanted, it, it's funny. I was like, oh, that's a good segue because it, 
it kind of came out of the the mix of the arts and then my like spiritual journey, I guess. So basically, gumption method is a way to it's funny, the words transformation technique keep coming up in my mind because someone recently just gave me the feedback. She's like, have you ever called it a transformation technique? Because that's how I feel about it. Whenever I use gumption, I feel like it transforms my relationship to whatever I'm thinking about. And I'm like, oh, I haven't used that language, but I love that language. That's great. So what it is, is it comes from the word gumption, which which means spirited, initiative, and resourcefulness, boldness, enterprise, courage, spunk, guts, which I just love. So it's like that thing that we need, you know, that all entrepreneurs need, but manifestors definitely need to have that, you know, I mean, I think we naturally have that and then it can get conditioned out, but like to be in that gumptious state. And so I realized that I knew basically this came in when I was having a health crisis. I couldn't sing without pain and I was going to be a singer songwriter. That was what my career path was going to be. And I, the word gumption just kept coming to me. And I was like, I know there's something here for me. And it had, I, I knew that each letter stood for something. And I knew that like G stood for grounded. And I knew that P stood for play and and different things within that, but I didn't have the whole picture. And then, but I just kind of kept it with me. Oh my gosh, talk about an emotional authority process or something. I mean, it was literally like five years until I figured out what this thing was um, and experimenting and all this. But then I got more into like yoga and spirituality and I realized that, oh, gumption aligns with the chakra system. So G for grounded is the root. And U is up, and that's the sacral chakra. And M is muscle, and that's the solar plexus. And P is play and pleasure in the heart. And T is truth in the throat. I is inspiration in the third eye space. O is OM in the seventh chakra, the crown. And then N is now, and it's all of them all together. Wow. That yeah. is very good. That was worth the five-year emotional wait. It was. <laughs> That's so great. It was. And that that came to, I was like in this church in France and like some of that came through. And then I was like, and then I was realizing that what I love about gumption is um, I have this poem. So when I lost my voice and couldn't sing without pain, I channeled this spoken word poem called When I Have Gumption. And it was like, when I have gumption, I'm the woman I want to be. And this whole thing, um, maybe we can link to it because it's it's really beautiful. Um, it's like this five minute poem that I like wrote on a train when I was really upset about my voice. And I like I was like, I need strength. And I, you know, put this poem on YouTube and then um, Omega Institute, which is like a wellness center, um did this conference and they invited me there and i performed it and i was like i re- i was reflecting back on that later because i was like that felt so good you know 400 people i want to feel like that more often how can i feel like that you know and why you know if i'm performing i warm up my body i warm up my voice i align myself i know who i'm talking to i know what i'm doing and all of these levels from like the very basic to the very spiritual and it feels amazing and i was like i think that i could have more of that in my day-to-day life and so that's what led to the gumption warm-up which is you know it could take five minutes it can take 10 minutes um, but it's basically like leading yourself through these questions and movements related to gumption. So um, I might have to like 
leave the I think right now I'm I'm just gonna you know give you the drop and maybe we can link to something that there are movements that go along with this and that's really helpful but it'll be too difficult to explain that verbally so I'll just stick with the questions but you can know that you can improvise movements around it if you want or guess what they would be or we can maybe link to a video um and it aligns with the chakra system but basically gosh where do I want to start I want to say this is a good I'll give you like the way that I like to uh, mentally think through projects. So if there's a project that I'm going to do, or even if I'm like, at the, it's the morning and I've got something I'm doing that day, I'll just be like, okay, gee, grounded, you know, I get into my body, I'll breathe, I'll feel that, you know, root space. Who am I? And what am I doing? Right? You know, what am I doing today? Or what is this project? Right? And it can be it's nice if you say it out loud sometimes too. And for manifestors, that's good too. Just like speaking it out loud. So the very basic, who am I and what am I doing today? Then you up is how is this bringing me into the next best version of myself? Then M is um, what strengths do I bring to this? Or what support do I have around this? And then P play pleasure is, you know, how can I have more fun with this? Or like, what is innately fun or pleasurable about this thing? T is truth. You know, what's my deeper truth around this? Or what truths am I holding as I embark on this? And then I is inspiration. Like, what inspires me about this? Who inspires me, you know, around this activity or around the subject or this project? Oh, ohm, how does this connect to the bigger picture? like of the world I want to see? How does this impact other people? And then in now, what's my next step? What do I need to do next? And what it does is if it's something that's aligned, which hopefully you've like, you know, gone through your authority process with, it will really energize you. It focuses you on all of these spiritual, you know, levels that are like, you know, from the practical to the spiritual that are like, yes, I'm aligned here and I'm aligned here and I'm aligned here. So it's bringing my whole self to it. Uh, and then if you're not aligned with it, it'll often show up in your answers to one of the questions where you're like, oh, this isn't bringing me into the next best version of myself. Or I don't think this is there's any play in this or, or I can't even find any pleasure in this. Right. Those are red flags that something's off, you know. I adore that. I'm enthralled with that whole process. I think that that, I don't, it's like beautiful, but beautiful is not the correct word. I feel like there's a real radiance in that experience. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, I can immediately see just on the surface level how beneficial that is for manifestors. I think it's beneficial for everyone. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, for manifestors in particular, that's that's a tool and that's a technique that immediately gets you in connection with your inner voice which yeah. is a place that we struggle to stay within but a place that we have to remain within um and yeah. I, i'm always i'm personally always on the lookout for you know i have an undefined route so i'm i'm very able to just kind of like float around i'm like whoop, no timing no structure no nothing and i'm always on the lookout for tools and techniques that are that are effective and that are really powerful, you know, in, in like bringing that back to the core. Um, yeah. And I, you know, as a random side note, immediately what I think of when 
I hear the word gumption, and this might just be an Australian thing, but there is mm. a cleaning product called gumption. Do you guys have oh, that really? in the States? No, that? Okay. not that I know of. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just Australian, but it's not around so much anymore. Um, yeah. It was around when I was a kid, and it's it's like um, like this gritty paste that smells like lemons, okay? And in Australia, we get, in our schools, we get parent volunteers to come through like every term at the end of the term and they scrub off all the desks and they clean off all the desks. And I remember having mm-hmm. to go and be with my mom and volunteer and go through the classroom and we would just use tubs and tubs and tubs of gumption. Oh and I used to love it. I loved it because I felt like, you know, the desk could be so dirty. It could have like you know, like chewing gum and like pen marks on it and like stickers and dirt. And, you know, they were old desks. But after gumption, there Mm -hmm. was this like restoration and it felt like such a simple way. You know, I I think I must have been like maybe eight, nine, ten when I did this, you know, with my mother. And I I still distinctly remember that. And I I love gumption because of that. I can still smell gumption. (laughs) I'm like, "Mm, the lemony flavor. And that just feels, that feels so resonant for me. This like physical, like product of the same name that it is, you know, the radiance I think of that technique is in bringing this place of restoration, you know, that place of what is, what is dirty and what is maybe filtered and and you know what is maybe a bit like chaotic and and not where it could be can be restored you know back totally. back to this place not just of cleanliness but this place of synergy and usefulness and that's just you know going yeah, beyond connection. beyond you know the the definition of the word gumption i think that that you know that technique for me that you've described really speaks to that of yeah you know, I and that's why that, that metaphor. Word, yeah, that word radiance, that's why that comes to me, I think, of this like there's this kind of sparkly quality to that of this like system yes. flush, this system clean and bringing it back down to its original power. Yeah, the core. Yeah, it does like, you know, get rid of the stuff that's unnecessary because it just hones you back into like the, this is what I'm doing and these are all the reasons why. And if you can name all those reasons why, it's like the other the chatter can't stop you anymore because you've given yourself so much support in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we will definitely, I'll grab all the links from Kerry and, you know, we'll link as much as we can below to, you know, get as much information from her as we can about that amazing gumption method. Um, before we wrap up, Kerry, is can you share with people, A, where can they find you on the big World Wide Web? And um, B, you know, is there anything that you're you're doing, anything in your work that they can connect with you with if they really resonate with your energy? Yeah, so you can find me at carryvankirk.com. I'm also on Instagram. I'm. We'll see what my handle is by the time this <laughs> launches because <laughs> sure. I'm I'm going through an, a wave on maybe changing it from my name to something else. Um, but gosh, what's feeling really exciting to me right now? There's a couple things. Um, is just one the one-on-one healing work as i mentioned um and i look at your human design when when i do that so we can incorporate that as needed but it it i love working with artists that you know are trying to find their voice again write again perform again as well as business owners and leaders that yeah just need some of that clearing it's it's that radiance that comes through i love that you said that word because 
I, since I started my business, the phrase like wholeness, harmony, radiance has Mm. been, you know, what I've wanted to bring forth as my tagline. And then I felt like it's too vague. And then I've like, so I've tried other things and I'm like, nope, that was a clue Mm -hmm. today for me (laughs) that that's what my work really is about, is about getting back to wholeness, harmony and radiance. And Mm. so that's what the sessions do as well. Um, and then I did this little group program. I called it Meant for Brilliance. Um, the name might change, I'm not sure, but I did like a small group program with three people earlier this year where we went through all of the gates and the planets in your human design, like methodically, and we charted them. I like figured out a way to chart them in a different visual way that just kind of brings it into a configuration where you're just looking at the planets um, and the gates and the lines. And that was really fun. And it was just, it was a beautiful healing experience as well for people to understand themselves and go into their chart at, at such a, you know, minute level. Mm, yes, yes, yes. The planets and the gate expression of them is one of my favorite areas of human design to teach because it's so undeniably personalized so undeniably personalized and and I love that the label that you apply to that program yes. is, is around now brilliant to the good stuff <laughs> yeah right because that's really what it is it is this place of yeah. like unlocking uh, a light unlocking a truth in there that is just it's not filtered you know and it's, yeah. it's not vague at all it's very very specific and it's very clear so I I have loved just sharing your energy for the last hour. I mean, I feel very, very grounded and um, oh, very kind of, you know, grounded but expanded, <laughs> kind of that, yes. that push and pull just having spent the last hour in your energy. So for anybody who is wanting to follow you or work with you, um, I think that that's such a worthwhile path to pursue. You are clearly a beautiful soul with a beautiful mission here in this incarnation and in this space. So thank you for being here for the podcast and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. It's been really enriching. Oh, thank you so much, Holly Marie. It's such a good, it's been such a good conversation for me too. I I needed this. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life. If you love this episode, I would be so humbly and truly grateful if you would share it on your social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holly Marie. And also please consider taking a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes so that this information, this podcast and this spiritual transformation can be spread to even more people. Again, I cannot wait to see you for the next episode of Hunting for Purpose.